ring the bell, let the whole world know, Christ the Savior lives today. That's the only hope that we have. And uh, that's all that we need, and uh, what a blessing it is to represent that. Isaiah chapter 9, invite you to turn there again. You know, it's, it's always interesting when it comes time to name a child. Um, as the expecting parents get names together, and I don't know if, if, if you had any experience like us, but we had names, and then when the baby was born, it was like, there were times we thought, well, that doesn't look like that name. You know what I'm saying? And, and then, um, you'd, adjust and sometimes you'd leave it the same and sometimes you'd change the name and um but when you name a child i mean you can you can pick a name this name means such and such you know and but you have no idea what this kid's going to turn out like i mean there's there's in the Bible, there's references where Jesus or God would say, name him this because he's going to do this and that. Well, we, we don't have any clue what these kids are going to turn out like. You know what I'm saying? And it's wishful thinking. If I, if I name this boy a manly name, he's really going to be manly. You know, you have no clue. And, um, so the name doesn't make the child, but the child makes the name. You know, I won't mention any names because even if I pull one out of the hat, it will. But when you think of a name, you immediately attach, you know, nobody has this name, okay? Humpernickel, okay? But whatever name you hear, you think, oh, I knew a humpernickel. That kid was a little brat, you know, or he was the nicest kid or whatever. But Proverbs tells us even a child is known by his doings. So in our life, we make the name, so to speak. By our doings, people identify with our name. In Christ's case, that wasn't true. He was given names hundreds of years before He appeared on this earth. And those names were prophetic. They were identifying to we as people who this is, and that's what we read here in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a great prophet. Isaiah chapter 7, uh, he gives the prophecy, A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Uh, we may look at that later. But then in Isaiah chapter 9, he comes down and he identifies his names. And uh, this week, and next week, we want to look at, at some of the names that were given, not, well, I hope he turns into this. No, this is who he was 
from the very beginning, eternally, this is who he is. And now he is coming as a child. Verse 6 says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called, and he goes in and lists the names. His name shall be called Wonderful. Um, It means a miracle, a marvel, a marvelous thing, something extraordinary, something unusual or astounding that causes a great sense of amazement. That's who, the, that's who this child is. But the word that is used here is always used in the Bible with the exception of one. It always refers in the context to acts of God or words of God. It's always connected to God. So when... God raised up Isaiah to say, this child shall be called wonderful. It not only identified the works that he would do, it identified that this child is God in the flesh. They, they understood that. This child that would be born is God in the flesh. And he is wonderful. He's the greatest wonder of all. And you can never really look at Jesus and really know Him and honestly be bored. He is wonderful. He will fill our heart and our mind with amazement. And and if we have come to the point that it doesn't, It's not something wrong with God, it's something wrong with us. Because His name is wonderful, meaning everything about Him is incredible. That makes us stand in amazement, it's extraordinary. But He goes on and He says, His name shall be called Wonderful, and then Counselor. And some say, because... Um, every name that is here is a combination of two. Some say it should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. They're all in couplets. Well, regardless of how you look at it, the handle in his Messiah wrote, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, separating them. But either way, when it comes to his counsel, the word counselor means an advisor, one who gives counsel, a guide. And this child, this baby, is the sum total of all knowledge and all wisdom and all guidance and all direction and all truth. And all insight. He knows everything about everything. And he's never wrong. This is, this is his child. All counsel. I mean, going back to Job again. Remember when God showed up to Job and he said, do you know this? Do you know this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Tell me, how does this happen? How does this happen? 
This is the counselor, the one that could answer every one of those questions and beyond. And he's giving the counsel and he knows everything. He knows the depths of science because he's the one that designed every atom and every molecule. See, science isn't in opposition to God. Modern day science may be, but God is the one that created all science. Science is observing and recording. Observing what? Observing the works of God. He knows every detail about every aspect of science. This is our counselor. This is the one who came to be with us. He knows the depths of creation. Every detail about creation. I mean, he knew exactly how far to put the earth and the sun apart that We wouldn't burn up being a little bit closer to the sun and we wouldn't freeze to death. And and just the little bit that the sun goes from far north in the summer to where it is now in the winter. And you may be thinking in come January that he put us a little too far away from the sun. God knows exactly every aspect of creation and he keeps it together And mankind is not going to disrupt his order, no matter what we do. And the truth is, he is our counselor. He knows and is all truth. Truth stands. Truth works. Truth cannot be defied. It will prevail. And, and in understanding this aspect, He is truth. He is the rock that is unmovable. He is the counselor that is true in every aspect. And we can trust Him. God's mind is so unsearchable that we cannot comprehend all that He is doing. We are limited. We are limited by what we see hear, feel by our senses and by what we experience. God is limited by nothing. And and Isaiah is saying, this child is wonderful beyond imagination, is a wonderful counselor. And the problems and perplexities that seem to be um, beyond our solving, beyond our comprehension, are nothing to Him. And we have a counselor who can manifest His grace in all the situations of life. And and it ought to cause rejoicing in our hearts. But then he goes on and he says, His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Mighty means having great strength or force or intensity A warrior, literally the word carries the connotation, a warrior, a champion. He is chief. He is the strongest one. He is powerful. And this little infant is, Isaiah says, the mighty one. I mean, what a, what a paradox. 
the innocency and the helplessness of this child, and yet he is the strong one, he is the mighty one, he is the the God of all power with which there are no limits. He's not just mighty, not just a baby, not just a man. He is God in the flesh. And that's what gives him his power. You may say, as you look at the world around us, what is this world coming to? The answer is that it's coming to God. It came from God. It is for God. And in the final act of His divine play of redemption, it all comes back to God. And He has the power to make this happen. He is the mighty God. God is the warrior. It it speaks of a... um, God's military might is involved in this because no enemy will be able to prevail against him. That ought to cause our hearts to rejoice. No enemy, all the devices of Satan, and we could take the rest of the day to go through history and say, here's how Satan tried to stop God's plan, but he couldn't. Here's how Satan tried to stop God's plan, but he couldn't. From the very beginning at the Garden of Eden to Cain killing Abel to wiping out the children of Israel trying numerous times to wiping out all the infants when Jesus was born. God is the mighty God and nothing can prevail against Him. His power, His might was manifested in His teaching. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount it says... The people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one who had authority. His power was manifested even in his teaching. His power was manifested in his miracles. I mean, the miracles of raising the dead, of making the lame to walk, and on and on again. He is the mighty God. His power is manifested in His victory over temptation when Satan came and tempted Him. And and every time with His temptation, Jesus said, it is written, and He manifested His power in victory over temptation. He manifested His power in His death. That He took upon Himself our sin that He endured the cross and being forsaken by His own Father, He manifested His power through His death, but more importantly, He manifested His power through His resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, we rejoice in the power of His resurrection, and in His resurrection, He conquered sin, He conquered Satan, and He conquered death. And this is because He is the mighty God. This little child that is born is the one who will conquer all that. He manifests His power in His power to forgive sins. Only Jesus Christ can forgive sins. He manifests His power in that He's coming again. And we, we rejoice in His power. We rejoice in this. 
it's important for us to realize what this means. And I just want to quickly mention four applications. Number one, we need to celebrate who this child is. The song we sang, ring the bells, ring the bells, let the whole world know. Christ was born in Bethlehem. This is the, the wonderful Savior. Don't let, I was going to say, don't let family destroy your Christ. I mean that. <laughs> don't let the things of this life destroy the folk. This is the most wonderful gift that has ever been given. And we need to celebrate it. We often, there, there's too many ways for us to mess this up. We often get caught up in the way of the world that, that it's all the trappings of the world celebration without Christ. And then as Christians, it's easy for us to react to that and swing the pendulum over here and we don't celebrate at all. Well, they're, they're abusing it because someone else abuses it doesn't mean that I should quit celebrating it. This is to be remembered. This is to be rejoiced in. This is to bring us to the point of wonder and amazement. We need to celebrate who this child is. Secondly, embrace the wonder of Jesus. And maybe we need to come back to the point that we say, God, my heart's grown cold. I don't, I don't rejoice in you as I once did. God, I want, as I open your word and read about you giving your son, God, help me to be filled afresh with wonder and amazement and embrace the wonder of Jesus. Thirdly, seek and obey his counsel. To come to God and realize, God, I know nothing and I need your wisdom. I want your counsel. You know every detail about everything. You are in control of everything. And God, I want your counsel. I long for your wisdom. I long for your counsel. And when God gives it, then to obey it. And then fourthly, rest in his power. I mean, that ought to bring peace to us. God is all-powerful. He can do anything and everything. And so He is going to do what is best in my life. I am going to rest in Him. I don't need to fret. I don't need to be anxious. I don't need to worry. I can rest because my God is all-powerful and He is perfect in all His ways. Without Jesus... Life is meaningless, clueless, fatiguing, empty, and dark. And that describes people without Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you ought to rejoice that I am no longer in a hopeless, dark, despairing life and world. That He is brought us from that. And He has given us a purpose. He shows us the way. He's given us hope for the future and forgiveness for the past. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. And if you've never trusted Christ today as your Savior, 
today you call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, He gives forgiveness for the past and a bright, bright hope for the future. The story is told of a preacher who was on a train and he noticed a man looking out the window of the train and as they went past the landscape, and it was a very beautiful landscape, but the man kept looking out the window saying, wonderful, wonderful. He'd pause for a little while and, and wipe a tear from his eye. And then he'd look and, and look out another window and he'd go, wonderful. This is, this is wonderful. Well, the man's curiosity was aroused and he went over and sat by the man and, and he said, I've never seen someone so enjoy a train ride like you are. Can you, can you tell me why it's so wonderful? And the man looked at him and said, Sir, you don't understand. I've just had surgery. I had been without sight for years and years and years. And now I am seeing things that I'd long forgotten. I'd forgotten how blue the sky was. I'd forgotten how green the grass was. I'd forgotten how beautiful the trees were. I'd forgotten how bright the flowers were. He said, it, it's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. I think many times we have forgotten how great God is. And we've lost the amazement of God. And maybe we need some surgery to open our eyes to remember what we've forgotten. He is wonderful. He is the only Counselor. He is the mighty God with whom nothing is impossible. This is is the gift of this child that He's given us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And and we lose sight of how wonderful it is to, to have a shepherd in our life. To have a Counselor in our life. And we're going through life not seeing the wonder of God. The wonder of the gift. We focus more on on the trivialities that will not matter and we lose sight of the gift. And we need to pray, God, this Christmas season, help me to see the wonder of You as I never have before. Without it, life is vain and empty. Heavenly Father, I pray that our hearts would be drawn to the very heart of You. And Lord, I pray that during this Christmas season, we would not allow ourselves to be robbed of the joy in You. But Lord, rather that the joy of You would flow through us and bring hope to those that are hopeless. To bring light to those that are in darkness. To bring joy to those despairing by pointing them to You. 
And Lord, I pray that you would restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Lord, as you know, it's so easy for us to get caught up with what's wrong in our lives or our families or our world. But Lord, you have given us this gift that is wonderful that provides all the counsel we will ever need and is never wrong, and that is limitless in power, that is the mighty warrior, the glorious, undefeated champion, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, I pray that we would be brought back to a first love for You. And Lord, that You would be pleased as we stand in awe of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.